Today's scripture reading comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 21. Be, ca- be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We've been looking at passages in the scripture that teach us about the Holy Spirit. And in these words that we just heard from Ephesians chapter 5, we see the phrase, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what I'd like to do today with that phrase is I just want to ask three very basic questions about that. First, what does it mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Secondly, why is it important that we be filled with the Spirit? And then finally, what will result from us being filled with the Spirit? So what does it mean? Why is it important? And what will it look like for us? So uh, to begin, what did the Apostle Paul mean here when he wrote, be filled with the Spirit? Now, I I think that a few observations about this this text will just help us to find an answer to that question. The first thing that you'll want to notice is that the Apostle wrote these words to people who already had the Holy Spirit living in them. He wrote this to Christians. He wrote this to believers in Christ. And we know, we know from Scripture that all true believers in Christ are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul made the point of telling them this in chapter 1, verse 13. He said to them, when you believed, you, he's talking to all of them, he says, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So he's already told them, all of you have the Holy Spirit. So the words here, be filled with the Spirit, were written to people who who already had the Spirit, meaning, you can infer, that not everyone who has the Holy Spirit is necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not the same things. Not everyone who has the Spirit in them is necessarily filled with the Spirit. I think Paul would tell us that all the Christians in this room right now have the Holy Spirit living in them. But not all the Christians in this room are necessarily filled right now with the Holy Spirit. Some perhaps are, some perhaps are not. So that's the first thing to observe. The second thing you observe here is that the words here, be filled with the Spirit, are given as a command to the entire church. This 
this idea here is this is not presented as optional. The apostle doesn't say, you know, I wonder if you've ever considered the thought of being filled with the Spirit. Some of you might be interested in that. If you are, we can talk about that later. No, this is, this is given as a command. And the command, you'll notice, this is not restricted to the spiritual elite. The apostle does not say, you know, pastors need to be filled with the Spirit, missionaries need to be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be one of those, you know, super spiritual prayer warriors in your church, you should be filled with the Spirit. No, he just says to everyone in the church, you must be filled. So what we're seeing is that, that not all Christians are necessarily filled with the Spirit, but all Christians are commanded to seek His filling. Third, a third thing that we can observe here, and you really can't see this in the English translation, but uh, scholars in first century Greek will tell us that the verbal form of the, of the, of the word here, be filled, this was a, a grammatical structure that con- communicated the idea of ongoing continuous action. So it's translated here, be filled with the Spirit, but you could translate this, the apostle saying, keep on continually being filled with the Spirit. In other words, he's not describing a one-time event. You know, you know how it is when you, uh, when you graduate from high school. Once they put that diploma in your hand, for the rest of your life, you can claim to be a high school grad. I mean, you might never open another book for the rest of your days, but once they, once they give you that diploma, you always qualify as a high school graduate. And, and you know, some people think it's like that with being spirit-filled. Once you have certain experience, once you have this kind of this one momentous encounter with, with, with the Lord, from that, for the rest of your life, you qualify. You are a spirit-filled Christian, but it's not like that. The, the apostle, he, what he's saying here, he's saying to Christians, I want you to be filled and, and then refilled and then filled again and then filled once more. I want you to keep on continually uh, be, being open to being filled with the Holy Spirit. So if someone ever asks you, are you a spirit-filled Christian? You, that's a question you, can, you can't really answer with a yes or a no. You might say, am I spirit-filled? Well, he was filling me yesterday, and I need him to fill me again today. Or I, I do believe the Spirit is filling me right now, but I know that I will need his filling again tomorrow. And so here's what we're seeing. If you just make observations about this passage, um, all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but not all Christians are filled with the Spirit. And yet all Christians are, are, are instructed here that we are to live our lives day after day constantly seeking His filling. One more thing that you'll observe is that in instructing us to be filled with the Spirit, the Apostle compares and contrasts uh, the, the Spirit's filling with the idea of getting drunk. Isn't that a strange thing? Verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So, so he's telling us that being filled with the Spirit, it's, it's somehow analogous to and yet also different from being intoxicated, getting drunk on alcohol. Well, what's he talking about? Well, listen, first of all, it, it, he, he is saying that it's different from being drunk. When a, person, when a person gets drunk, he or she allows enough alcohol into their system that it begins to influence the way that they behave. When you're, when you're intoxicated, it changes the way you think, it changes the way you speak. 
changes the way you respond to others. And, and the apostle is saying that these changes brought about by alcohol, they are not good. He says this leads to debauchery. Debauchery just means empty, wasteful, reckless living. So in one sense, he, he's saying that getting drunk is different from being filled with the Spirit. You get drunk, it's bad. When you get filled with the Spirit, oh, it's good, right? So in one sense, it's different. And yet in another sense, he's saying, it's very similar, very similar. When, when people become intoxicated, they, um, they, they sort of yield control of themselves to alcohol, right? They, they allow alcohol to begin to influence them. Somebody gets caught driving drunk, we say they're driving how? Under the influence, right? And in a similar way, when people Christian men, Christian women, Christian boys and girls, when they seek to be filled with the Spirit, they're, they're yielding, in a certain sense, control of themselves to the Spirit. They're allowing, inviting the Spirit to influence them. Instead of driving under the influence, they, they want to live under the influence of the Spirit. So a, a person, a Christian who's seeking to be filled with the Spirit might pray something like this, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, I, I want you to shape the way I think. I want you to shape the way I speak. I want you, please, Holy Spirit, shape the way that I, I respond to other people. Shape the way that I react to disappointments in my life. Holy Spirit, I want you to give me the eyes of Christ when I look at the, at, at the poor and the hurting. Please, Holy Spirit, I want you to give me the heart of Christ for the lost and the lonely. Holy Spirit, please, I want you to give me the passion that Jesus had for the glory of the Father. You're just saying, Holy Spirit, I, I invite you to influence every aspect of my life, to do whatever you need to do in me, to make me more like Jesus. Christian, I wonder if you would be willing to be praying something like that to the Holy Spirit today and tomorrow and, and the next day. One Christian author named Michael Green wrote this. He said, to be filled with the Spirit means to allow Jesus to have the fullest control of our lives that we are conscious of. Another author named James Boyce said, being filled with the Spirit refers to us being so under the Spirit's control and leading that our thoughts and our lives are entirely taken up with Christ. That's, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It means to... to to seek to allow the Spirit of God to influence you in such a way that, that the, uh, the very flavor of Jesus is seen in you. And as I said, like getting drunk, it wears off. Right? You get drunk today, you won't be drunk tomorrow, you won't stay drunk, it wears off. And so we are to seek the Spirit's filling. Listen, every day again and again and again and again. So that's what it means. At least that's my best understanding of what this means. Now second question is why, why is it important that we be filled with the Spirit. Why is this given it to us here as a command, not an option, not something to consider? Why are we commanded to seek to be filled with the Spirit? The answer to that is, is, is actually very simple. The answer is this. Guys, listen, if we are not filled with the Spirit, 
we cannot live fruitful Christian lives for the glory of God. It's that simple. If we're not filled with the Spirit, we cannot live fruitful lives that bring glory to God. Listen to some of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us and in us and to us according to Scripture. Ephesians 3 verse 16 says that the Holy Spirit strengthens us with power in our inner being. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says the Spirit is the one who enables us to understand all that God has given us. Acts 1 verse 8 says it is the Holy Spirit who gives power to the church to share the truth of Christ with the world. Romans 8 verse 26 says the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to pray. When we feel weak in prayer, He's the one who empowers our prayer. When we don't know what to pray for, He just takes over for us and begins to intercede for us with with deep, deep, meaningful words that are understandable to the Father. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says that the Holy Spirit, as we set our eyes on Jesus, little by little, He gradually transforms us to become more and more like Christ. Romans 8 verse 13 says it is by the Spirit that we are able to overcome sin and temptation in our life. Romans 14 17 says that our joy as Christians comes from the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 22 says that our love comes from the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 13 says that our hope comes from the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4 13 says our assurance that we really belong to Jesus. This comes from the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 3 says that our unity with other believers comes from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 says that every gift that ever in any way builds up the church comes from the Holy Spirit. It's all from the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8 verse 11 tells us that on that final day when Jesus comes back to this earth to make all things new, And our bodies are perhaps six feet under the ground in some cemetery somewhere. It is the Holy Spirit who will raise our bodies to life again. All of this is done by the Holy Spirit. So if we are not allowing ourselves daily and seeking to be filled with the Spirit, we cannot live lives that bring glory to God and bear fruit for His honor. Jesus said this in John 6, verse 63. He said, the Spirit gives life. The flesh, meaning human effort, counts for nothing. Here's a quote from a preacher you probably heard of. This is from Billy Graham. He said this in 1993. Billy Graham said, I cannot live the Christian life alone. I'm a failure. Billy Graham cannot live the Christian life. I've tried. I can't do it. But... With the help of the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, I can live the Christian life, but He lives it through me. Christian, I wonder if that reality has yet sunk into you yet, that you you can live for the glory of God. Your life can resound to His honor, but not without the Holy Spirit filling you, moving through you. The apostle here tells us, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. How many of you ever just blown it? You just kind of wasted a day and not not done anything fruitful. 
He said, be careful at how you live because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the, the Lord's will is. And then he tells us the only way we can do this, he says, be filled with the Spirit. So it really is, would you agree with me? It really is impossible to overstate how important the Spirit's filling is in our lives. So that's what it means and why it's important. My final question, what will, what will result from being filled with the Spirit? What will, you, what will you look like if you let the Spirit fill you again and again? What will our church look like? Will we be you know, a bunch of holy rollers? Will we be weirdos? What, what's it going to be like? Well, the, the, again, the Greek scholars tell us that when you, when you read this in the Greek, verses 18 through 21, it's really just one long sentence. It, you have this word of instruction, be filled with the Spirit, and then this is followed by this series of, of participles, speaking to one another, singing and making music, giving thanks to God, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And these participles, speaking, singing, thanking, submitting, these participles describe what it looks like when Christians allow the Holy Spirit to fill them in this way. So let me just work through that real quickly. First of all, the apostle would say that um, being filled with the Spirit affects the way that we speak. When Christians are filled with the Spirit, they speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. This doesn't mean that, you know, we're all in a Broadway musical and we go around singing to each other everywhere. That's not what he means. I think what he means here is that Christians who are filled with the Spirit, their conversations are just sort of saturated with words of praise for God. If you ever go into a restaurant and you happen to sit at, at, at next to the table of um, Spirit-filled Christians, and you eavesdrop on their conversation. Sooner or later, you will hear them mention the name of Jesus. You will. Now, they, they, might, they might talk about the Yankees. They might talk about the weather. They might talk about their jobs. They might talk about the latest movie they saw on Netflix. You know, there's nothing wrong about talking about those things. But listen, if they are allowing themselves to be filled with the Spirit their conversation will not be limited to things of the world. Sooner or later, you'll hear these Christians begin to talk about the wonderful things God is doing in their life. In, in the words of Colossians 3, verse 16, the word of Christ will dwell richly among them. One of, one of the ways to just sort of be in prayer for our, our congregation and assess is the Spirit filling us as a church is just kind of keep tabs on what we talk about in our informal interactions. Do we, just, do, do we never talk about more than, hey, did you get vaccinated? Did you get vaccinated? What did you see on Netflix? Do, do you ever find us talking about, hey, can I tell you what God's been teaching me lately? Can I tell you something that really hit me from the Word this week? As the Spirit fills us, it he shapes the way we talk. He, he, also, he also affects the way we sing. If you ever uh, visit a church where a significant number of the Christians are seeking to be filled with the Spirit, let me tell you, the worship in that church will blow you away. And hear this. Not because the song selection happened to be exactly what you were looking for. And not because the musicians did a very great job. Listen, the worship will blow you away. I'll tell you why. Because spirit-filled Christians sing their hearts out to God. 
They just, they just, he says in verse 19, they sing and make music from their hearts to the Lord. You can't contain it. There's a very well-known novel by a Nigerian author named Chinua Achebe. The, the, the novel is called Things Fall Apart. And in this novel, he, he describes this a spiritual conversion to, to the Christian faith that happens to this young man named Nooye. Nooye, he, he grows up in a rural village in a, in a, a kind of an out, ex, a part of Nigeria back in the late 1800s. And he is a very... Um, He's a very uh, discouraged young man because his father is abusive and he's very harsh and he's never really seen much love in his life. And one day this young man, Nooye, he meets a group of Christians in a neighboring village and he's never met Christians ever before. He's heard that there's such a thing as Christians, but he's never met Christians until this day. And these Christians are in this little village standing in the street and they're preaching. And as Nooye listens to them preach, he can't make sense of anything they are talking about. Just doesn't make sense to them. They're talking about a God who is somehow, he's three and yet he's one. What is he talking about? And a man who was, was human and yet divine. And, and he talks about how the, the, this man, he died and yet somehow he's alive. And it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And that this man's death somehow changed everything in the world. He can't understand Christian doctrine. And then in the novel, these Christians start to sing, and Noye is captivated. He's mesmerized. This, the sound of these Christians singing praise to Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Well, here's the way Achebe, the author, puts it. He says, the poetry of the new religion soothed him like drops of rain falling on the dry planet, uh, on, on, on the dry palate. That's the moment he comes to know Christ. So that's, and listen, that's what, it's, that's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. That's what, what it feels like when Christians who are seeking to be filled with the Spirit sing. They may not sing in tune, all right? They may not sing very well, but they will sing their hearts out to God. A third result of being filled with the Spirit is that being filled with the Spirit causes us to give thanks. I have known some believers in my life. I wonder if you ever have known people like this. I've known some Christians in, in my life who, if you knew the story of their, of their life, their, their life story is just one scene of heartbreak and disappointment and suffering and pain, one after the other, but you would never, ever guess that when you meet them because have you known people like this? In spite of their sorrow, it's like they just overflow with joy. I wonder if, if, if anyone comes to mind for you when you hear me describe that. Listen, do you know where that comes from? That kind of unstoppable gratitude and joy, that comes from being filled with the Spirit. Paul says in verse 20, these are people who he says, are, they're always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Spirit, He changes the way we speak the way we sing. He changes the way we respond to sorrow, help, helping us to give thanks to God. And then one more thing. Finally, verse 21, he says that being filled with the Spirit leads us to submit to one another out of reverence from, for, for Christ. We submit to one another. So listen, in families where Christians are seeking to be filled with the Spirit, in, in, uh, in marriages where couples are seeking to be filled with the Spirit, in churches where people are letting the Spirit fill them. Here's what happens. 
people put the needs and concerns of others ahead of their own. It's, it's, it, it reminds me of, uh, okay, this is, a, this is probably silly, but there's this really, really old ca uh, cartoon. When I say old, when I was a little kid, this was an old cartoon. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, this, this cartoon of these two little chipmunks, Chip and Dale. You ever see those old Chip and Dale, uh, these little chipmunks who speak to each other? Caden has seen that. You've seen it, Caden, right? They speak to each other. Yeah, they have the British accent, and Chip and Dale are so polite, right? They're very deferential to each other. And so every time they're, maybe they're running from a cat and they have to squeeze into this little hole in a tree to escape, they'll stop before they go in and they'll say, after you, no, after you. Oh no, my good sir, after you, I insist. No, please, you go first. Chip and Dale always put each other first. I know that's silly, but listen, that's what it's like when we're filled with the Spirit. That's what your friendships are like. That's what your marriage is like. That's what your family is like. That's what the church is like. When the Spirit is filling us, the love of Christ is so powerfully at work among us that we joyfully put the needs and the concerns and the preferences and the dignity of other people ahead of our own. And if you've ever seen that, have you ever seen that in Christians? It is a beautiful sight to behold. So when Paul says to us, listen, listen, Christians, you have the Spirit. Thank God for that. But I want, you to, I want you to seek His filling every day to let Him influence everything about you. He's saying this is what it's going to be like. You, you will find your conversations just lifted to a higher level. You're not just talking about, you know, the New York Mets. No, nothing against the Mets, but you're talking, your, your conversation's just saturated with Jesus, right? And, and you will find that you're singing somehow. It just, it's like it's lifting the rafters in, in the building, and, and, and you'll find that even in the midst of suffering, there's a joy in you that won't go away, and you will see the love of Jesus Christ clearly evident in relationships with each other. And ACCH, I'll close with this. I just want you to hear this. All of this, all of this is what the Holy Spirit wants to give to us today, right now. So would you join me in praying and asking for that? Before I voice a prayer on our behalf, I, I want to give you a chance. It may be that you just feel a need quietly to talk to God. And if you would like to, I want to encourage you just to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you in a fresh way today. When we invite the Spirit to fill us, very often He speaks to us and He just points out something He wants us to deal with. He does this lovingly. He might be reminding you of someone whose forgiveness you need to seek. He might be reminding you of someone you need to forgive. He might be reminding you of something in your life that doesn't please him that he wants you to leave behind. What He does this because he loves you. He's just preparing the way to fill you. 
But I invite you right now, if you would just quietly, if you feel him stirring, invite him to fill you. We are so grateful, Jesus, that when you went to the Father, you asked him to send the Spirit. And we thank you that he did. He is our helper. He is our friend. He is the one who's come alongside us to encourage us. We need him so much. And we ask that he would fill us completely, our thoughts, our words, our church, our families. Fill us, Holy Spirit, for Jesus' glory. Amen.